Welcome, welcome back to Studio Secrets 8D. I'm your host, Anthony J. Resta, and I have a distinguished guest today, Chris SD, who is a accomplished composer, musician, songwriter, um, but his focus in the past few years has been SyncSongwriter.com, and it's he's helped countless uh, musicians, including myself, and it's a, a wonderful format that really does sort of break down the, the gatekeepers of the industry, and I think it's important work, and I'm really psyched to have you here. Amazing. Thanks so much, Anthony. This is really, really awesome to be here. Oh, I mean, this is the kind of thing that I, I want to do more of, where, you know, actually offer help to people. Because when I first met you, I, I, I saw like the incredible things you were doing, like getting people in front of like real world music supervisors, vocal coaches. Um, and, and it's there's so many like snake oil salesmen in the business to see somebody who's actually doing it. And you know, helping people and, and, and the, the zoom call that I w was on there, it was insane. It was like 2,500 people. So people are excited about what you're doing and want to be a part of what you're doing. And I think it's a rare opportunity for people. And that's why I wanted to feature you here today. So tell us a little bit about how you got into this. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I really uh, understand, first of all, what you mean about, uh, you know, snake oil salesman. Um, it seems it's not just in music, of course, you know, yeah. Um, I, I came from the music side, so, so I was in a band myself and, uh, independent band. And we, you know, we, we went through all the struggles that every other independent band does. And after the band sort of amicably parted ways, uh, we, I decided to get into music production essentially, you know, cause I was always fascinated. What's that like black magic that they do? How do they get those sounds and how do they, you know, create these amazing records? And I understood a little bit about it, you know, having worked in the band, you know, watching the producers and engineers do their thing, working on my music. But I wanted to learn how to record other people's music. So I kind of got my start there, bought a little uh, computer, you know, I mean, it was like a G4 Apple computer when it came out, Digi001, uh, Pro Tool system and stuff. I was up in a cabin recording my friends for beer, essentially, and uh, just kind of got better and better at, at doing that. And uh, one thing led to another and started getting bigger gigs and ended up in Toronto and then was working for like, uh, you know, um, the band at Blue Rodeo's uh, studio, which was, which they owned up there. Big band in Canada. If, if for those in the U.S. you've never heard of them, I'm not surprised, but they fill stadiums up there and uh, essentially got to work with a lot of cool artists up there, you know, did uh, assisted on a Feist record and did, um, you know, recorded some guitars for Brian Adams, work with uh, Chris Christopherson, uh, Garth Hudson from the band, uh, just a bunch of, you know, really Amazing. cool artists and stuff like that. And I had the good fortune of uh, winning some awards for some of the records I worked on. So um, uh, there were five Junos, which are like, uh, uh, you know, the American Grammys. Yep. Uh, so, so um, very significant in Canada. And, yeah. And yeah. So worldwide, really. Yeah. 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 So I was really, um, you know, that was, that was amazing to get that affirmation, you know, that I was doing, doing the right thing and all of that stuff. And then what happened, this is where sync songwriter started to really sort of come into, uh, you know, um, across the horizon basically. And what it was, was I used to work on indie records as well. And it wasn't just major label artists. And I worked with music that I liked because it was, of course, the budgets were a lot lower, you know? And yes. if I liked the music, I was like, yes, I can, I can certainly do this. Now, the problem was, is that recording indie records and putting my blood, sweat, and tears into it, um, often what would happen is the indie artists didn't have agents and managers and labels, you know, pushing the record when it 
when it eventually went out. So the record would go out after all this work and kind of nothing would happen with it. And I remember thinking, man, there's got to be a better way for that, you know? And I was also thinking about my own music too, which I hadn't done in years and years. And uh, the sync licensing thing started to really sort of, you know, um, become a thing all of a sudden. You know, I think Moby was the first one who broke the gates open for independent artists. It, before that, it just wasn't cool to get your music into TV and film because there was just cable shows, typically satellite and cable. You know, this was before like internet streaming and all this stuff. People were just not um, into the, a lot of the network shows that were kind of the lowest common denominator shows put out, you know, scheduled shows on TV. And then with the advent of like streaming and independent film and the costs of producing went way down where people could get into it, it became this thing where you're like, wow, I could get into a show, you know, a movie or even an ad uh, that I like. And, and the audience for that show, movie or ad are actually the same people who are my fans. So I can access those fans because they, I watch that show because I think it's cool. My music fits in that show. So all the people who would be my fans watch that show as well. How do I connect with them? Get your music into the show. So that's when it really started to happen. And I, at the very beginning, I thought this is going to be easy. You know, I, I'm, um, you know, I have a name in the production world and I could just go to some music supervisors. Those are the people who actually put the music into TV and film. Uh, I can go to them and say, Hey, this is what I'm doing and uh, make some connections and they'll put the music in, you know, my, my uh, independent friends, uh, artist friends, music into the shows, movies, and ads. And uh, of course, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> it's uh, a lot about relationships. Uh, it's all about the music. But the first thing is they've got to trust you. They've got to know that you know what you're doing. And uh, it's like a lot of things in life. It really is a relationship business. So uh, gradually over time, I got to know more and more music supervisors. And uh, ultimately, like I sort of you know, cajoled them and bribed them with beach picnics and like all kinds of different stuff to sit down with me and talk to me about how does sync work? I wanted to hear it from them. I didn't want to read it in a book. I didn't want to go online and try to figure it out. I wanted to meet them, form those relationships and let them tell me the inside scoop on how all this stuff works so that I could go to indie artists and say, hey, here's really how you get in, right? And do that. So long story short, ended up moving to LA, did some music production for a little while. Uh, then my uh, daughter was born. I didn't want to spend 12 to 14 hour days in studios. So moved it online and then uh, started a sync course because I felt I wanted to reach more indie artists with this amazing kind of uh, thing that was working, you know, getting music into TV and film with indie artists. So I uh, basically put out this, uh, you know, the course, the art of the song pitch in 2016 and uh, it was a humble beginning and it's grown into, you know, uh, basically the biggest um, course that I know of in our niche, you know, and, and essentially, yeah, we get thousands of people coming out to our annual uh, sync songwriter music supervisor panel that happens every January and it's completely free. Just, you can come out and listen to these music supervisors, get the behind the scenes, like, you know, why do they use any music? Uh, yeah. What, how do they pick it? Uh, what are they actually working on right now? Like, is your song going to be good for them? Like if they're working on something that work that your, that your music would fit in, then that can be a great, great thing. So um, that's, yeah, that's the long, uh, short story. Yeah. It's a, it's a rare opportunity for people though, to, to actually, you know, get in front of these people. I mean, this happens once a year and that's why I timed this so we could do this together. Cause I want, I have so many uh, listeners that are, 
you know, have a history of making great music with me or other people. And, and it's the same story. Like, you know, we, we're so passionate about what we do and we put all our blood, sweat and tears into these records. And it's like, how do we get them out there? And this, this is like an ideal platform for people. And um, it, it's been wonderful to, to connect with you and do this, you know? So Very cool. we're going to have like a special link, I think, or something to, to help people uh, get to you from the, from our podcast as well. Awesome. Um, so, thank, you know, thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, no, it's, it's been, it's been great. Um, I, I, I feel like that, um, there's, there's just so little, um, forms, forms like this. And, and I knew yours was different right away because of the, the amount of people. And then I did a little bit of research and I'm like, this, this is like, not like a fly by night thing that you see on Instagram <laughs> you know, with like three comments, you know, it's like this, yeah. this is a really important. Uh, thing and it's taken me almost a year to kind of hook up with you and get this going maybe you could give me like just a, a ground base for like s some of the things that you're looking to do in a in songs that are that will work across sync like for instance like i know that you don't want things that are too specific with times and places you know so like kind of like from a songwriting standpoint what's a good general way to to kind of make things more appealing to sync i guess I, that was a very long question but you get it yeah totally no that's great um, so really, you know, in the time that we've been doing this, we, we've had uh, we, we've had put countless songs into TV and film, right? So we introduce indie songwriters to the gatekeepers directly. Uh, we don't take any of the money. We don't take a cut. Uh, libraries and agents and do that. You know, they take half the money often and so on. Yeah. And you're basically a needle in a haystack when you're in those. So we we take the route. Like I definitely have like introduce you straight to the actual people who put it into TV and film. Having done that for as long as we have, looking at the kind of songs that have gotten placed um, over time, is you'd be amazed, amazed at how many different genres, different styles of music can get placed. And I realized there's a home for almost any song out there, as long as it's well-written and it's, and it's reasonably well-produced. It doesn't have to sound like the latest Adele record, but it definitely has to be above the bar of everything else that gets into TV and film. And uh, there is room for, you know, meditation music, you know, North Korean hip hop, um, even though the big sort of four pillars are like rock, country, hip hop, you know, and uh, pop. And so those are the big ones. But even if you're not in that, those, those big ones, you have less competition. So if you're in, say, show tunes or blues or like folk or something like that, you, you can be like the big fish in a small pond because, you know, there's... If you think about like how many opportunities are talking like this massive industry that's growing all the time. And even if you uh, only got a fraction of those opportunities, they still amount to continuous opportunities all the time because it's just such a big industry. Every so. day. And, and it comes when you least expect it um, sometimes. You know, like I, I had one artist um, from uh, Atlanta, uh, Magnets and Ghosts. They're a really cool band. You should check them out. Um, I was on a uh, an edit bay in a, on a soundstage for something I was working on. And the, the director of the film had gotten into an argument about an artist about a very, very large sync fee at the last minute for this movie. And uh, without getting too specific, he just said, do you have a song with the word devil in it? <laughs> and, I like, and I just like on the spot and I'm like, sure. And I, I, we connected my iPod to the soundstage and suddenly off of Spotify was this drug running scene in this big movie with Nicolas Cage and everybody <laughs> cheered. I mean, so it's like these are the things that, you know, 
Hollywood music. I mean, it's, it's, it's often there's, there is some luck involved, but, but there also, you have to have your ducks in a row. Like you said, you, you want to have the a high quality master. You want to have something that's really appealing sonically. And it's as well as like lyrically easy to connect with, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'd like to qualify kind of what you said it, it, that it's, you know, it takes a little bit of luck, for example, you know, to get in. A lot of people look at this and they think, wow, it's so daunting. And on the surface, when you look at it, you have to realize that there are millions of tracks out there, millions. Everybody and their dog has a record out and mm -hmm. a bunch of them are on SoundCloud and, you know, hoping to be discovered. And if you literally looked at it like a numbers game, and you thought, well, I've got 10 songs and there's all these, you know, songs out there. Even if you jumped into a non-exclusive low-end library, they, I, like, I know a library that has 4 million tracks in there. So if you put your 10 in there, 20 even, you are just, uh, you know, a drop in an ocean. Yeah. And so that is when it becomes a lottery. But to use an example, um, if you think about us, uh, say that our chances of going to the moon, right? They're talking about building maybe a habitat or a base or something up there. And eventually people are going to go up there, you know? And so what, what are your and my chances of going there? I don't have any particular qualifications. Mine's probably about like one in 8 billion, you know, which is around the population of the earth right now. Um, but what about an astronaut that's trained by NASA? What are their odds, you know? And so you start realizing it's a, it's, it depends where you are, who you're rubbing shoulders with, you know, how you're, how you enter the game. So my whole idea was to take it, as you notice, I've got thousands of musicians that show up to, you know, yeah. the songwriter music supervisor panel and so on. And I can't work with everybody, but the ones that know that, that they, that's the path for them. We get together and we work together throughout the year. And that is a whole different bulking literally like if you think about the number you want yeah. to hit a home run in the world series then you've got to be in the world series and that's what i provide with sing songwriter is that i the people that do sort of come and work with me you know i only do this once a year i've got other things that i do but i want to just kind of do that starting in january work really hard for six months get everybody lined up and introduce them and put them in front of uh, the music supervisors, and these are top music supervisors. These aren't just ones who work on indie films or reality TV. They, they work on the biggest shows, movies, and ads. And so the idea is that to reduce incredibly the amount of competition that you've got, put you at the very front of the line, and leverage my relationships. Essentially, that's kind of what you're doing. You're sort of yeah. leveraging my relationships to basically get in front, meet one-on-one, -on -one, these music supervisors and pitch your music and play your music and get to know them, get some relationships, send them more music later. And yeah. uh, that's how come we get so many results at six. Sure. And, and the more experienced you are and the more that you've done this, the more you can appreciate an opportunity like that. Um, that it's kind of like in music production too. the people that, that really get the details that like people like yourself and, and, and me put into things are the ones that, that understand the value of that and i think people that, that have got a lot of experience and and they know they they've been around the block so to speak and people even in their 20s have been through a lot they'll see the value um instantly uh, it's it's incredible you know and that's why i wanted to feature here uh today because uh you know I, i'm getting involved myself because i think you know it's the same exact feeling you had when you started sync songwriter it's like 
you, I make these incredible timeless recordings that I put my blood and sweat and tears into. And oftentimes they sit on a Spotify playlist and that's just not yeah. right. So I think it's super important. Um, my manager, um, Alan worked with um, Matt and Kim for years. And I don't know if you know the story, but through a, a big advertising firm in New York City, their music ended up getting like, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to say the amount, but let's just say millions of dollars for Buick over eight years. Wow. Um, there's there's some huge opportunities out there. I had another client that wrote a song that ended up being a campaign for vanity uh, napkins. It was uh, Georgia Pacific was the client, and she beat out um, "I Feel Good" by James Brown. And th these were these were all like high six figures, you know. So it yeah. can happen, and it does happen. But you know, you, you, how many pulls do you get on the slot machine handle? That's the thing. And like, you know, if it's four or five a year, that's not enough. So you get into a situation with yourself and, and, and your organization, they're going to get a lot more pulls on the, the slot machine handle. That's how I look at it. Yeah, no, that that's, that's interesting. I mean, I, I look at it as like, it's, it's relationship based. It's kind of like you're getting a new click of friends and you're rubbing shoulders at the top. There's a saying that your future, your fate is largely based on the five people you hang out with most. And that's true, you know? And if you start rubbing shoulders with, you know, the people at the top of the sink industry, that's just where you need to be, you know? And uh, and it depends on the, like you're talking about sort of, you know, how lucrative it can be. Um, you know, I've gotten artists $30,000 for one sink, $20,000, $10,000, you know, and it goes all the way down. So uh, essentially you can make a whole different amount depending what the show and what the opportunity is. But in the end, you want consistent sync placements. And that comes from the relationships, not from being in an agency or a library or competing against, you know, millions of tracks or even thousands of tracks in a library or in an agency, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. I mean, the chances are just so much greater. It's like same thing with composers when we get a cattle call thing for you know, say, say there's some car company that's looking for a fresh sound or something for, and that there might be in Los Angeles, there might be a hundred producers like doing a, a look, see yeah, thing for the pitch, you know? And it's like, it's, it's just, it's really hard. So, you know, the more the, the, you've got to stack the odds in your favor by doing, like you said, getting closer and closer to these people. You know? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's really cool. Hey, what's one, what's one of the biggest misconceptions you've seen with, people that are you know say say you, you talk to somebody in the workshop and they they get these opportunities and everybody's skeptical everybody has things what are some of the misconceptions that you've found with with sync in general so so do you mean like misconceptions as in like skepticism what are people wrong about like you know oh i see yeah um a lot of people um are wrong about the fact that they think that music supervisors and sync are only going to go after major labels you got to be famous you got to be popular um you have to have been synced before uh that you know it's only for a rarefied group when it couldn't be further from the truth the thing is, here's the real reason why indie music works. And by the way, I have to applaud uh, the musicians who are listening right now who are skeptical because you should be, because there are people out there who are just trying to, you know, get your money. And the other thing too, that's important to understand is that if you don't sort of think critically about things, um, you, you know, there's, and here's another saying or something is like, if you don't own your future, someone else will. It means that you've got to cut your own road because life doesn't just leave you alone, you know? And so you've got to kind of make, make your own, your own road. So 
when you're sort of being skeptical and thinking like, oh, you know, it's only for the rarefied few, the truth is indie music is thriving in the sync world because of one simple reason. And it's not because they're being altruistic and being nice and supporting independent music. It's because of the budget. Now, if they have to go and get a Billie Eilish song or like a, you know, whoever, you know, you name any, any big star song, sure, um, it's going to cost them an enormous amount of money. And the way it works is they're given a budget usually at the beginning of the year. And here's your budget for music and they can parse that out. So they can spend a lot of it on a big song or several big songs. And then it leaves them less for other things. So they kind of have to figure out how they're going to fill all the, all the music spots in the actual, let's use a show, for example. And when it comes down to that, you know, they have to start thinking about well, how do we get a high quality music, but not spend $500,000 or even $100,000 on a track, you know? So they get away with paying you a lot less than they're paying, you know, um, Britney Spears, whatever. Not she's obviously sure. gone all, but, you know, any, any sort of, you know, current music that's happening. And um, it really inevitably comes down to the budget. And that amount of money that they're paying you a lot less might just be, oh, I don't know, 10 grand, you know, it's a, it's way less for them, but for you, you it's like it's like yeah, it's pretty sweet you get four of those five of those ten of those in a year i mean yeah. you're doing pretty well absolutely you know and i think some of the other thing that probably doesn't happen as often but does happen a lot people's careers kind of jump to another echelon if say a song really takes off like as an old navy commercial like ingrid michelson being the example um you know uh, lynn grossman was managing her with um you know secret road that's like that one old navy commercial becomes like the next a vanguard for the next le level of your career you know sometimes it's it's a stepping stone to bigger things as an artist not just a songwriter yeah no absolutely so people uh can end up in the charts from one good placement and this happens all the time if you get because what happens is labels want to start with an artist who's already got a following and unless you're, you don't want to be out there putting, you know, posters on poles and touring around in your van, like the old days and building your fan base or sitting online and trying to get likes and trying to promote yourself and slowly over the years, you know, trying to build that following. If you get into one good placement and everybody's hears you and you get this big fan base, cause they're all shazamming your music, right? Not all of them, but you know, sure. a part of that viewership could be millions of eyes and ears uh, shazamming your music. And you've got this huge bump in fans, you know? The labels come around like they want to know like oh this is interesting it's a, a fresh sound this is this is new and the other thing to remember is that because there's so much music that gets placed and there's so many opportunities for all kinds of different music you don't have to sit around and hope for like the apple commercial right or the you know the the top one of those couple of those ones you mentioned earlier those are amazing to get and that'll be that's fantastic when those happen but you don't you don't have to do that. You can get lots and lots of small ones. You can get, you know, medium ones and large ones that are still sub, you know, $20,000 a pop. Um, but they're, they're very lucrative. And there's, there's a lot more of them than waiting for the six figure uh, placement, if that makes sense. Sure. And once you have one, you know, even if it's, even if it's a few thousand dollars or a thousand dollars or whatever it is, that person, now you're in their Rolodex and now they know who you are. And that's really, you know, beyond being in your course, like, you know, if you've if in the course of the time that people spend with Sync Songwriter, they're going to have relationships that they've, you know, founded during that. So it's, it's not just for 
for for the the term of your program it's it's for life if you if you if you work it right Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Exactly. No, that's exactly it. It's about those relationships, and it starts to snowball, you know? Um, and another misconception, you know, to, to sort of address that is people sort of think that there's like this magic button that they can get a hold of music supervisors. Like they can just sort of go on social and try to find them, you know, and hit them up, which is a bad idea, by the way, because they can blacklist you because they're trying to be there to, you know, do what they're doing there and not get hit up by somebody about their music. Um, so the, the idea that you can sort of cold call them and get a hold of them, you have to understand that they are indonated with music. And not just from indie songwriters, just emailing them. They're indonated by labels, by publishers, by agencies, by libraries. Um, and they're humans. You know, they're just like you and I. In fact, they're really cool. The people at the top that I know, the friends of mine who are, you know, work on some of these big, big, big productions, they're the most down-to-earth, coolest people. And they were either ex-musicians or just love music or know someone in a band and they love supporting independent music, but they have a bandwidth just like you you and I do. And they can't possibly answer every email that gets sent to them, not even remotely close. So that was the huge challenge. It was like, yeah. so then it becomes impossible. But then that's when I, you know, I have a five-step program that helps people go from the ground zero all the way to the top of the mountain to get their music into TV and film. 
that's that's amazing super super rare hard to find you know i think like you said people just cold calling um it it it's it's annoying actually you know and it's it's really disrespectful because it's unsolicited and when you do that oftentimes people are like sending like metal tracks to somebody who's doing some that they don't know anything about the music supervisor and what kind of shows they work on and what yeah. they've been into lately it's even more insulting to send something that has nothing to do with what they're working on and that's really easy to do um, totally tell, tell me a little bit about your background like as far as getting into music production what, who are some of your heroes as uh, this is just fun stuff like producers that you really respect and admire that influenced you yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I didn't sort of look at producers and so on as as being the impetus to get into production. You know, I I'd certainly, you know, thought Brian Eno was a very uh smart person and you know, the uh you know, the Radiohead record sounded amazing, right? Um and there's all these like other producers that I that I admired, but it really came from the records. It kind of came from the artists. And I was, I delved less into like, I want to be like that producer or something. It was, I just hear like great music and think, wow, that is amazing. How did they do that? You know, I want to yeah. know how that, I want to play that puzzle. You know, I want to get to understand this and, and do it. And it's uh it's an addictive, fascinating thing. You know, you're just um, weaving patterns all day long yeah. and uh, trying to make them beautiful. And that was the the big thing. And then learning the tricks and marrying technology with sound and inspiration. You know, you're really taking the left and the right side of the brain and, you know, marrying them because you have to understand, you know, some technical things about your equipment. Uh, you don't have to be an actual engineer the way they used to be, but you certainly need to understand sort of how things work and, you know, frequencies and like how to treat rooms and what sound does and how electricity, you know, yeah, all that sound and yeah, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, even converters and any aliasing filters and all this stuff. So sure. it was it was fascinating to me. And so that's really what I got into it for. And it was just to produce great sound, sound yeah. that was beautiful, you know, and, and that's really was my, my thing. And I, I guess I had blinders on a little bit and I didn't sort of follow someone in, uh, specifically. It was just well, sort of my path there. You won five Junos, so whatever you did worked. <laughs> I mean, that's really <laughs> impressive. Um, well, you know, yeah. Anthony, I'll tell you, like, right now, you know, I've, I've been asked this question before, you know, like, so what tricks did you have or how did you do it? Or like, you know, what was your go-to way of recording? And if I could impart a secret that's not a secret, but like the one thing that served me so well in the studio when I was recording, and this goes for everybody who records at home, is that, you know, the number one thing is stick to the basics. Don't, you know, start thinking that you've got to have the particular plug-in chain, that you've got to have the magical guitar and things like that. It doesn't really matter. You know, if you take Jimi Hendrix, give him a $50, you know, if he's still around, give him a $50 Silvertone. And then you or I or anybody else who plays guitar got on a $5,000, $10,000 guitar, who sounds better, you know? So I'm I'm betting on Jimmy. And yeah. that's that's the... That's the what it is. It's what's between your ears. So think about that first and think, know that you can put a hit record out just using the basics. You don't want to have to just stay in the basics. I said stick to the basics, meaning to start there and sure, know so that just getting good sounds and put, putting together the right building blocks. Remember, your job is just to translate the song in an interesting way and, and make it sound what the way it intended to sound. And then the second thing that really uh, mattered was how does the song feel? Because the way I look at it is we're all antennas. And if you are hearing what's coming out of the speakers, 
and it's resonating with you, it's going to resonate with other people. And that's the most important part is the feeling you get from it. And you know it, you know it. And when you don't feel that feeling when you're like, yeah, this is good. If you're ever saying that to yourself, you got to start again or change something. something. You've got to be like, oh my gosh, we look what we just did. <laughs> you know, you got to have that feeling before it even leaves the studio. And if you've got that feeling, you have a good chance. We don't know what'll happen, but you have a much better chance of it, you know? And that's how I got hits on radio and like things that happened. Was it because I was like, you know, particularly gifted, talented or whatever. It's just, I focused on the feeling and the community, the communication. And like, would that really like grab my ear and kind of make me feel like, what is this? You know? And that's what I really strive for. That's, that's incredible advice. And that's uh, studio secrets. That's, that's, that's a studio secret. It's, and it's sometimes the most obvious things are the hardest things to understand. You know, that, that's just great. What, what you just ex expressed. It reminds me a little bit of Rick Rubin. Like I've been listening a lot to his philosophies about, you know, pleasing yourself, you know, like right. make, get yourself excited about it. Trust your gut. You, what you're talking about is trusting your gut instinct too. And that takes yeah. some experience. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, it takes, it takes, it takes time. And, and you know you have to put in the time. You know? Yeah. The thing about trusting your gut, which is important, is that experience is really important in the studio. So when I first started out and I was, you know, started working with the big gear and, you know, the expensive mics and everything in, in a big studio, I used to spend a lot of time, of course, getting a sound and doing all that. And when I first started there, I remember assisting on some records and the, you know, bigger producers would come in and engineers who'd been working, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. And they would walk in and they use the same gear I used every single day, simple stuff like a microphone into a Neve preamp into an 1176. Uh, maybe they're hitting tape with it for some reason. And that was it. And they would get a sound that was twice as good as me. <laughs> I was like, what are they doing? Like, and I'd look, you know, and like, I'm not, I don't know, man. I, I kind of do the same thing. And I realized because shortly after that, that 10,000 hours kicked in at some point and I could just dial those sounds up. And I realize that it's just about experience, you know, and if you get one part wrong, like if your microphone's not positioned right, it doesn't matter what's downstream from it. It's just not going to work. And, and so it's hitting too hard and it's like squashing it. It's, there's a yeah, things yeah all those things, the subtle, subtle things depends on the player and the amp. Do you need to switch the amp out? Should you get the high end from the amp or should you get a high end from your EQ? You know, you, you sort of got to that through experience. You just kind of get to know that. And then, Trusting your gut can fall on that bed. That's really important. If you just start out like, I'm going to trust my gut and just go, yeah. it's going to be hard for you because you don't have the, the fundamentals down. You don't have the basics down. Once you've got those basics and fundamentals down, then you can take chances because you know you're never going to suck. It was like being on stage with my band. You know, We got to the point where just because we practiced enough, we had played long enough, we played for several years, where if it was an important gig, I would tell them in the dressing room, Guys, we can't suck because we're just too good for that. The reason we're too good for that is not because we're super talented and we think we're awesome. It's because we've just played so much, you know, and, and we just know our parts so well that we just can't suck, but we can have a mediocre gig and we want it to be great. So, but don't be afraid of, of sucking because we're not going to, and it takes a bit of the pressure off. And I would say the same thing in the studio is it, you know, we've, you're recording at home is just, you know, learn your studio, learn your recording chops, get better at them over time, keep doing it and lay that groundwork. And once that groundwork's laid, it's always there. You'll get a little rusty if you walk away from it for too long, but it'll come back to you. 
And uh, that's the most important part. If you're producing music to get it into TV and film, um, make sure that you you do that. And the last piece of advice I have uh, about that is that don't waste great songs on mediocre production. What I mean by that is if you're learning, if you're just starting to learn at home on your, on your system and you've written great songs, what's going to happen, and I fell into this trap myself, is you're going to feel like I can do this and you're going to try and you're going to put something out and then you're going to release it. And then you're going to look back years later, potentially like I did and say, I shouldn't have done that. You know, I should have did a better version. I should have had better production. Well, I couldn't because I was, I was, you know, learning. So how do you do that? You hire somebody, yeah. but Chris, I can't afford that. Yes, you can. Because all you got to do is go online, find somebody within your budget and who does cool stuff. And there's a bunch of them out there. Absolutely. And the little secret is if they like your music, they'll work for you uh, at, at within your budget, even if they're good. I did that sure. all the time. You know, no, so. that's 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 an you're, you've been amazing with a, a lot of great advice for people. And I, I connected with you really early on. Like we we taught, we both were attracted to the Billie Eilish album before before she yeah. took off. And um, so and Radiohead and Brian, we share a lot of uh, passion for you know certain things in music and it's it's been great to connect with you and i want to make sure that people know what's the date of your um uh what, the webinar that's gonna that people are going to be able to sign up for for free and yeah much. so this yeah so the sync songwriter music supervisor panel totally free um with you know a bunch of supervisors who are my friends we come there they work on the top shows we're doing that on january 14th and it's okay. at 10 a.m uh, pacific time okay. and it's going to be awesome it, every year it's amazing we have incredible turnout and you get to get a window into the supervisors you know basically how they pick music and what they're working on and stuff and then i basically show you how you can actually connect with them personally how you can connect with them and how how it works how how to get through to them when it seems impossible so that's what we'll be doing on january 14th on sunday fabulous i, I was there last year and i'll be there again this year um, it was wonderful. Hey, it's cool. been so awesome to have you. Um, and we'll have to do this again, you know, a little bit further down the road. Um, it's great to finally get face to face with you, fellow Canadian. Um, it's been wonderful, man. Thanks so much for coming. And we'll, you know, we'll get everybody uh, in touch with you through the, the link and stuff on the, on the, the podcast. Amazing. Thank you so much, Anthony, for having me. And this was this was a riot. And I'd love to stop by your, your place next time in, I'm in L.A. Oh, please do. Yeah, we'll have some espresso and listen to some stuff. I got a lot of cool guitar pedals and stuff, too. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Awesome. Well, awesome. So this is Anthony J. Resta, Studio Secrets A to Z. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and all that other stuff. Thanks Thank so you, much. Anthony. Bye. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. 
And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 